live now. Yay! <laughs> A bit of patience is all we needed. <laughs> oh, after doing this for a while, you have to have patience. <laughs> and you must be calm and not panic when it seems like it's not working. <laughs> yeah. You see the red button now, so I guess it's all good. Yes, uh, I think we are live now. Yes, we are live. We're live, we're live here on Zoom. And we're live also on Facebook. Hello, everyone. Hello, thank you for joining us here. Pinky, Coco Constance, Coco Taz, Coco Lindy, thank you for joining. And everyone who we can see. Oh, we're so excited to have you here. And if you're joining us also on Facebook, say hello, let us know that you are here. And we are just going to jump into today's conversation. I love the title. It's very poetic. You know, storytelling is medicine and libation with Anike. Hello, Anike. Welcome. Hello, Joy. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes, we are excited to have you here to explore this conversation on storytelling. Uh, yes, I'm just sharing now on Facebook and then we're going to jump into it. Ooh, and hi. Uh, oh, I didn't hear that. No, I just said hi to everyone attending now. I saw, I see everyone saying hello in the chat box, so I thought I'd say hi to. Uh, <laughs> yes, so good. Okay. Okay, I am all shared up. Okay, so yeah, today we are doing storytelling as medicine and libation, and this is just so potent and so relevant to us as African people, because we are people of stories, we thrive on stories, and today we're going to look at storytelling as so much deeper and broader than just stories, but as portals of medicine as portals of libation, celebrating our ancestry through these stories. And you're going to take us through this, Anike. And yeah, I can't wait because this is like a body of work that you're doing, that you've been doing for some time now, right? Yes, it has. It's been a, it's been a labor of love and it's led me to so many spaces and it actually led me to meeting you in Uganda a couple of years ago. So yeah, excited to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we will talk everything Uganda, everything Africa in a bit. I want us to just do our usual grounding, the grounding process we do here in What Is of Light Show. This is What Is of Light Show. I am your host, Joy. I really ever do that. Sometimes I forget. But for those who are joining for the first time, um, this is a show we do every Tuesdays and Fridays, and it's on African 
people, African spirituality, philosophies, our medicine, our stories, our history, our psyche, everything, people of, uh, of Africa, of the Black race. And it's just, yeah, a beautiful platform, which is all about helping us return to our roots, to our joy, our bliss, our truth and abundance altogether. So we do this as a community, right? And we may imagine ourselves as part of a beautiful sacred circle that comes every Tuesdays and Friday to come and do this. And like now in our sacred circle, like imagine that we are all together right now in a circle. Let's all take a deep collective breath and come to our bodies. So the sacred circle where we're going to share some stories, some beautiful experiences. And we allow ourselves to come to our higher heart center. And in our higher heart, we connect to our diamond permanent seed, which is really the essence of our spirit, our soul that is existing in the heart. And we allow that diamond to move throughout our body to spark our cells, our bones with its blue light, life, living light. And you may see that light just moving down through the solar plexus to our womb area, our root chakra, and into the earth. As a grounding cord, you may see it as a cord like a root of a tree going into the earth to Mother Earth. And this root connecting with your earth star at the core of the earth, a couple of centimeters from where your feet are. And connecting with that star that connects you and grounds you to the earth. And sending the grounding cord to the heart of Gaia Sophia, our mother, earth mother. And just taking a collective release, just we let go, we release this week, this long week of exhaustion, of uh, many emotions that have been coming up, surrendering them to the mother, releasing them to your mother so she may force them and transmit them with her unconditional love. And from the earth, receive her gift of healing the diamond flame, living flame that comes up through the same grounding cord coming up through your earth star into your feet, moving through your body, your thighs, your womb, your stomach, your heart, your chest, your throat, your cheekbones, your forehead, 
the top of your head and going up through your soul star, which is also a couple of centimeters from the top of your head. Connecting now with your soul, your spirit, which we anchor here now. We invite that aspect of ourselves, our higher self, to lead this session, the sacred communion. And we allow this energy to connect us to the great central sun, to the Holy Mother, Father God, who we invite here, the Holy Light, the Holy Spirit, beloved God, our beloved Council of Higher Self, our beloved Luminous Ancestral Helping Spirits, and angelic beings that work and walk with every single one of us who are here. We are watching this now and we are watching this as a replay. We invite them here for this communion, for the support, for us to tap into the universal consciousness as we speak again, once again, on storytelling as medicine and vibration. And taking a deep breath in. As we invite the grace and innocence to our safe, we open our eyes now. Yay. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Thank you, Anike, and everyone for participating in our sacred circle that we're here doing now. Uh, I love this conversation, Anike, because stories a huge part of our cultures as, as black people um, and uh, they have been also been a source of transmission of wisdom ancestral wisdom from one generation to the other right um, so it's such a beautiful topic um, and meditation and i want um you to begin and guide us on this meditation of, of storytelling and what you've been learning about the role of stories in our in our culture and how we can look at them. Mm. I I want to start this conversation if I can by reading a quote from my book, just to sort of get the discussion yeah. going about how my entry point into storytelling. Um, there's a short quote, but just I think it will help to give an introduction to this conversation. Um, so I'll read it now. To be cultured not only relates to your ability to engage with the visual aesthetics of a culture, but also the ability to engage with the perspectives that fuel such practices in the first place. And this is, um, I, wrote, I wrote a book about connecting to self through ancestry, and this is taken from chapter two. And this for me epitomizes the power of storytelling and the importance of scratching the surface and digging deep, you know, like going into the, you know, your meditation opener was about grounding and going deep within the earth. And I see culture as that kind of exploration of 
looking at different perspectives and looking at values that inform the culture that we have, that rich culture that we're all blessed to have, all those beautiful clothing that we have, the food, the music, they're all trying to connect us, in my opinion, to something deeper. And that is what storytelling is for me because I see it as twofold. It's one of the scene, our scene reality, but also something that is of the unseen. And that fascinates me so, so much. And I see my work as a sort of exploration about as to how those two are like dancing together to sort of shape our existence. And I think it's so, so important for people of African descent to be so curious about the culture. Yes, you know, we can, we can sort of talk about the display of it, but also let's talk about the unseen. And I'm, I'm really, really fascinated about that. And I'm really excited to be here today to sort of talk about that more. Oh, I love this so much. I love that quote. I love just this deep invitation to the unseen, you know. Mm. I often feel like what we see is the masculine, you know, the masculine manifestation of creation, of God. But there's this feminine aspect which is really not seen, but it's like that's the source of what we see outside. It's like what bears the outside. And when you're talking about the visual aesthetics, especially of Africa, like so many of us, we there are many visuals that come to mind when we think Africa, right? But not uh, there isn't a lot of conversations about what do they mean though? Where do they come from? What do they symbolize, right? And uh, we we miss the deeper truth, and we miss how we can learn a lot about ourselves if we were to learn what is unseen behind, you know, this cloth, this cloth that has a lot of like information about my country, actually. But if you just see it, if you see me wearing it, it will just be an African cloth. But if you dig deeper, you will discover a lot about about Botswana, Botswana people, what we believe in just from this cloth, you know. So I really love this, this conversation. And I love the, the, the book you've written, Connecting to Self Through Ancestry. Right? So maybe we can start at the beginning of how do we connect to ourselves and discover ourselves through these cultural aesthetics, through also the deeper meaning of what we are seeing. Uh, in our world as, as Black people. Yeah. yeah, I would say for me, how ancestry has helped me so much is that it's funny because as a child, I was so uninterested. I was just like, okay, my culture is performative. I wear the dress, I eat the food, that's it. And there was a point in my life where I began asking a lot of questions about the, the life that I was living and those questions the more I was asking about you know what are my values is the life that I'm living really serving me now the, those questions were leading me home and I wasn't even realizing it at the time so when I talk about connecting to self through ancestry it's a it's a very intimate thing because you're 
almost you're, you're checking in with yourself and you're seeing you're sort of reflecting how you relate to the cultural the visual aspect the visual aspects of your, your culture that you see so for me it's um it's funny that you were mentioning a cloth because i wanted to sort of bring into this discussion a cloth that um that i have one second i'll just quickly grab it now okay. <laughs> a cloth that um i'll just use this as one example so this cloth I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh, I'll show it this way. Yeah. Um, it's, mm. it's called, thank you, it's called Adira in, in Yoruba, um, which is my heritage. And in that translates into English as tie-dye. And it's a cloth that not only originates from the um, an area of Nigeria, which my maternal family are from called Abelkuta, which, so that has like a sort of personal connotations to this cloth. But also there are aspects of this cloth that um, tell the story of women coming together, working with nature to create something. So everything in the original way of making this, everything comes from nature, from the, the seed for the cotton, for, from the leaves that are used to sort of create the tie dye. Everything is sourced from nature. And then also the patterns on this cloth are a reflection of people being creative with one another and working to, together to create something. So there are multiple stories that come from just this cloth that you know you could just wear and not be aware of that. And that's sort of one aspect of how connecting to your ancestry can help you sort of learn more about not only the people where you come from, but sort of the lessons that they may be applied when they were creating something like this that you can apply to your own life and that's something that i try to do with my work it's not just about talking about it and being like yeah this is what happened and these are the things that came up it's also like a sort of personal uh personal work i call it that i take to sort of say what how can i live a life that sort of adheres to these values so to make this cloth patience is a, is a key thing to, that you need in order to sort of create something like this because you're working with the land you're working with each other and sort of those kinds of values then i can apply to my own life so when i'm working with other people am i sort of embracing more patience am i embracing patience with myself and these are the kinds of lessons that just that came to me in the process of just being curious to know about my ancestry um, and I think that that is a is a beautiful thing that everyone has access to. The more you start to ask questions, the more questions that leads you to, but the more wisdom you're you're unearthing. It's almost like we're think imagine we're in a garden and we're kind of just doing the work on the land and we're just finding these these gems in the process of working to sort of yeah to work on our garden. Mm. Oh, I love this so much. Oh my God, yes. Uh, and when we are talking about the cloth, this cloth is, there is our national, this is the color of our flag. There's also like the national symbol, as well as pictures of different animals, because like, um, 
totem animals are really important to the Zwana tribe and the names of every tribe is in this cross. And I had a conversation the other day and it's a conversation I've also had to have because when people see me wearing this, they already create a story of who they think I am, right? Um, and usually the story is of like a traditional healer. And through that story that they have projected by looking at this, the cloth itself, it can either be I'm drawn to her or I'm afraid of her. So I'm just here also think about like the power of colonization and how it has altered our, our stories, the wisdom of where we come from. And this can be done through distorting the visual, the visual uh, aesthetic that we have. But like with this cross, I was having a conversation with a beautiful warrior and she was just so terrified of the idea of having to wear something like this. And going deeper, asking, but what's the fear really, right? And it's, the fear is what this cross represents. What is the story that the moment I wear it, I'm telling the world and how the world will interact with that story. And it could either be an expansive or contractive thing. So I'm just like, this is so powerful. We don't realize how much also stories are used to open us up as African people or you know, contract, make us fear ourselves, who we are. And this is why this work is a work of the self and returning to the self. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that, I think naturally as humans, we are storytellers. Like me being here, I'm telling a story, even though I'm speaking to you now, the, whether it's from my features or just what I'm wearing, I'm telling a story. And I think that just recognizing the power of stories, it's so, so important to, to, be, to be aware of who has, let's say, um, who has monopoly over certain stories that are told and looking at the impact of the certain stories that you're fed. So from my example, growing up in the diaspora, I really was fed the message that, yeah, you don't really like Africa. There's, there's just negative, negative, negative. And it created this, this feeling within me that I come from somewhere that is just, that is negative. And the impact of that wasn't, I didn't really sort of gauge the impact of that until later in my life when I was looking back at instances where I was ashamed if my mom started speaking to me in Yoruba, like in front of like in front of um, European people, um, I, I used to be like, no, mom, stop speaking like that. Stop speaking the language. And those were sort of it, the impacts of of being told a story that you're nothing, basically. And the impact for me meant that I wanted to sort of I was carrying this shame around with me everywhere. And that's why it's so, so important to be as well when you're engaging with storytelling be critical of who is telling that story and why are they telling that story? And when you think about the sort of process of colonization, that, that powerful 
um, way of telling the story that Africa is, you know, it's nothing, it's, it's backward, it's heathen, blah, blah, blah. That is creating the story of internalized self-hate, which we're then, um, in, in ways we can then sort of continue that, you know, through generations, or just continue that story in how we interact with each other and, and just, and then it's creating this sense of collectively carrying like a, a sense of resentment and shame of, of who we are. And I think it's so, so important um, to constantly be critical of the stories you're engaging with, because, you know, we're in a time now where just there is a lot of information, there's a lot being said. And this is why connecting to self is so important, because when you're connecting to yourself, you're creating the space to reflect and be like, is, is this really true? Is this, does this resonate with me? Or is this something that is being told in order to belittle me? And, and how can I navigate that? You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, definitely. I, what's coming up for me is, I remember in 2013, 14, I, I got to the point where I was done with reading literature, novels, watching movies where there were no, not just like people actually, but like people of African descent. Like this was so important to me. And I remember just making a vow that I will only read books by African writers and African uh, authors. I will only watch movies that are created in Africa. And that vow was so powerful because it opened me up to discover a lot about this continent. You know, as African people, we actually have prejudices against each other because we don't own the narrative of ourselves, right? So as a Mugana person, I might have a narrative of a Nigerian and a Somali, and that is fed by the media. So I just made that promise to myself, like I'm no longer reading your Daniel Stills or whatever books I was reading before 2013. And I started this work of decolonizing what I feed myself, the stories that I was reading, because I said, I want to see people who look like me, who have hair like me, who speak like me. And that's how I discovered like this big world of African literature and how I even started my project of Africa in Dialogue. It was like, oh my God, we need to tell people that they are actually people writing stories about black people, African people, and that if you truly want to know about what's happening in Nigeria or Somalia or Sierra Leone or Zimbabwe or Angola, go to the people who are living in these countries, who are from these countries, who are telling stories, nuanced stories that are actually reflecting the true experiences uh, that they are going through. And just the impact of this project in my life, you know, uh, it's, it's so phenomenal. I cannot even put it into words, but it has been deeply healing because you're talking also about medicine. And the deepest healing for me was to realize that there is no limitation to, to the experiences I desire as a human being because there are so many multiple stories happening in Africa that I was never told about. Yeah. 
I completely hear you with all of that. It's funny because I think around the same time I decided as well, I was like, I'm only reading books from people of African descent. I think it was around 2013 or 14. And it's funny because when I started my project, um, Orani Care, I started it from a space of, um, I started off with what I was like, with what I knew, with what I um, was sort of accessing a lot, which was books. So, you know, reading and then sort of going deeper. I was like, okay, there's books, but there's also, you know, food. There's also hairstyles. There's also clothing. It's, it's like you said, it's so, so rich and so, so limitless and abundant. And it's so, so beautiful that um, I am able to engage with ancestry in a way that is very much part of like the everyday life. It's, it's, it's just part of my being because I think it's a, as well, it's a very um, Eurocentric way. When you think about education and you think about wanting to learn about history and things like that, you know, there are spaces like the museum, it's either in a museum, it's in a book that you have to sort of access through, through someone. And then when you strip it back to culture, and this is why I love engaging with culture, because culture doesn't require me to go into a building or an institution in order to sort of learn and tap into wisdom. It's, it's in the right now. So it's in me learning recipes from my mom, but, you know, and then, you know, the, the recipe that she got, she got it from her mom or sort of learning about language. And then when I go to a, a, a different space, I'm sort of hearing a language that sort of resonates with me. Do you know, it's, it's those subtle aspects of everyday life that, are, that I see as like droplets of information that are helping me to, to really, really remember my humanity because we're talking about um, the impact of certain stories that are told. This journey has really, really been one of remembrance, remembering not only how vast I am, but remembering the humanity that maybe I had, I had been blocked off from because of certain ways of showing up in life. So I think this, when I talk about it being as medicine as libation, because water, as an entity is, is so clarifying. We need water to sustain ourselves. And storytelling does that because it's almost as if like, you're splashing your face just to sort of say, wake up, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and it's, it's, it's one that is, is, I find it to be very activating and it enables me to navigate spaces, remembering who I am, no matter. Mm -hmm what kind of situation I'm put into. Yeah, oh, I love this so much. I've, today I've been speaking about water or this conversation of water has been coming up for me in many different dimensions, but yes, to how stories have the power to be like medicine, to be like cleansing and clarifying and it's like you are literally releasing all that shame, all that fear that you held, or you just realize that, oh, it was never real. It was what held it, what holds our fear of our, sorry, our blackness, our heritage, our history, what holds the shame, 
is that we don't know the truth, that we don't know the true history, where we really come from. We don't know the true experiences of our ancestors. We also don't know why our ancestors created specific things. And because we don't know, it's so easy for outside forces to take that, that was created from the perspective of mysticism, from the perspective of medicine, because medicine is not always in your face. It's imbued within the mystery, right? And because of that mystery, instead of us opening our hearts and mind and like seeking to understand why did they create this specific cloth? Why did they create this specific ceremony and ritual? We just discard it as, oh, that's, barbaric that's backwards and whatever stories were told instead and that's what holds the fear and the shame is that we don't know and we don't ask and i i don't know what you like i would love to hear your thoughts on as you are researching on ancestry what you are learning about ancestry uh and this can be your ancestry as well as the collective ancestry of african people because I know you've done a lot of research into like the pre-colonial times and so on. I would love to know more. But um, yeah, yeah, no, let's talk about this. I forgot my trail of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, and I was very intentional when I set up the project about wanting to learn about pre-colonial African um, societies, not because I have anything against like, you know, sort of recent history, but for me, in, like in terms of at school, where we started off was, okay, um, the scramble for Africa and independence and that there was nothing else, <laughs> don't bother checking. And so I wanted to create a space for me, um, for myself and then share the resources that I came across just to know what was, what was life really like? I mean, obviously we know of like kings and queens, but I wanted to get a sense of day-to-day -day life and really how that kind of informed relationships communities and the more i was asking those questions the more i realized that there was there are so many different ways of living and existing that this one way which is very sort of westernized way that we're kind of fed that this is this is what it means to be educated this is what it means to be successful this is what a relationship looks like and the more i was sort of digging in i was like oh wow there's there's other ways of doing this and that there seemed to be more harmony i'm not trying to sort of paint a rose tinted picture that you know everything was beautiful there was no fighting obviously there was there was a lot that occurred and a lot of um lot of fighting even before uh, colonial times but there seemed to be a way of existing that seemed more in tune with with nature uh, a way of existing that that seemed to be more in tune with with the self and realizing the potential of the self and that was very beautiful for me to sort of come across that because then i started seeing culture not only as this visual display, but also a way of thinking and understanding the world, understanding yourself, but also understanding your surroundings. I don't think it's um, it's by accident that you know a lot of 
uh, inspiration comes from nature in, in a lot of the cultural practices that we see, because whether it's from like knowledge of herbs or different patterns that sort of display animals and those animals reflect it being symbolisms for something, there's a, there was a just a real beauty in, in showing that we are from nature, we're not separate from it. And that, that really spoke to where, yeah, it speaks to me and it continues to ground me now to this day because this is a process, it's never going to sort of stop and it's gonna be like, okay, I know everything. It's, it's this beautiful, it's that water image that's coming back to me that like, you're just flowing. And the more you're in the flow, the more you're kind of being led to different spaces like I'm being led here today to speak with you about storytelling um so yeah I think that's for every person of African descent it's it's just so important to to be curious and open and to not be afraid to ask questions because even there are some you know cultural practices that I don't agree with but I'm glad that I'm in a position to ask why and to to ground myself in being that uh, knowing that I'm asking the why not to sort of be um, say like oh no you're wrong I'm right but more so see does this fit is this adequate for now is there something else that can be tried I think it's good to to remain open in that process mm, yeah it's we speak a lot about this lately, the cultivation of discernment. You know, when we're on this path of connecting to the self, exploring our ancestry, uh, there's this often like need to go back in history to see the beginning, the origin story. And you have to be brave to see all of it, you know, like, the good light of it and the dark aspects of it and discern uh, that which is like continuing that harmony that we are seeking right? at, at the core of our issues is that we are disconnected to the natural laws we're disconnected from nature it's like the way we build our houses the way we are relating now they keep like this disconnection and our bodies are feeling this and so we can discern there is something off here and we need to do something about that right but when it comes to you know um other issues related to hierarchies of any you know authority where we're now in, like insisting that people be a certain way live a certain way then there is something problematic with that and that has been also part of our history as black people and um, i mean as human beings in general so i absolutely love the idea of of discernment with when you are at, like connecting back to the south and you're, you're returning to ancestry right so um one of the the ways that we have been archiving in Africa is through stories, right? We've been archiving our history and we've been archiving also medicine and spiritual wisdom through stories. And there is the, the painted uh, pictures, no pictures, what are they called? The paintings that you find in caves and 
also the stories that are told from one generation to the other. All right, so I want us to just speak on that and what you are discovering about this and how we can use this as a way to like re reconnect with the South and with ancestry and also how that is medicine, like how that has been medicine for you. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's the beauty of stories is, is, is that like water image that I find it's just constantly going through generation and generation. And it's interesting because when like, yeah, hearing certain stories of, I don't know, let me try and think of one. Um, when I think about, for example, spiritual practices uh, linked to the Yoruba people, um, in the journey that I'm on now, it's, it's broadening my perspective so, so much to the point where like, I'm just appreciate, I'm just, I'm taking, I feel like I'm taking my time more just to sort of see my surroundings, re like really see my surroundings. You know, sometimes like when you're going somewhere, it's just like, it's like this tunnel vision. I, I'm gonna get to A to B and, and that's it. And I'm taking the time to reflect on if it's certain proverbs that I come across that talk about the sun or certain things that talk about trees and the wisdom of trees, I, I feel more in tune with my surroundings and that helps to ground me in, in a space that can be, can, that can feel so fast that like we need to just churn out information, we need to just do this, we need to do that. I'm reminded that everything is, everything, it's important to take your time with whatever it is that you're you're applying yourself to and it's important to to be open and curious and that is something that's big for me because i think that um when you're open and curious you're then creating space to stretch and expand and grow and i think that is a healthy position to be in as a human being that you're always wanting to expand we, we live in such a vast on on such a vast planet and i believe that we are mirrors of that so if the planet can be this vast we too can be vast as people and it's important to just take time to yeah to appreciate that in different ways and um i've lost my train of thought because i wanted to come back to something <laughs> what was i trying to link it to um yeah, so that this this was it. I think about um, so I've been able to with this project that I've done. I've been able to sort of visit spaces um, in parts of the African diaspora, and it's been so so fascinating to see. Um, for example, I a couple of years ago I visited Jamaica, and it's been so so fascinating to see the imprints of. Uh, ancestry and culture in a different space outside of the African continent. And this really um, shows to me the power of storytelling and the power, the way in which it is also that, that it plays a role in, in showing the resilience of, of us as people that in spite of certain dehumanizing, de like just immoral acts that can occur, at the end point, there is still that um, there are still signs of, of the growth, the openness, the curiosity to be like, I'm in a new space. How can I, um, in this new space, still connect to the place that I've come from 
and use the material that I have around me to ground me in connecting me to the space that I've come from. And I think that's, that is the beauty of culture in that it is, it is able to move and adapt and it shows that we too as humans should in everything that we face move and adapt and be able to still connect ourselves to to yeah to where we're from but also to our higher selves as well in the process mm, yeah this is like the part of our topic libation also of honoring and celebrating where we come from despite the experiences that we've had in our land despite the, being disconnected from our land as African people, being disconnected from our languages and our heritage, our cultures, our song. Like it's, you can see now that there is this very slow decaying of our culture. And it's because we all now had to speak and learn English, you know, and our languages and our songs and so on. But it's also, like they're saying, quite beautiful to see that even if there's just been this intentional erasure of African cultures norms in our lands, there is a way that this can never actually be taken. Like somehow we find ways, like, you know, people in the diaspora do have the way we do have here, you know? So that's always like, it can't all be taken somehow it will it will survive and it will come back and that coming back is also when we speak of ancestry is how this can also come back through come back through dreams you know through these state of consciousness we go into when we begin to tell stories you know sometimes when you're telling a story there was we didn't know the story and it's because we are transmitting the wisdom from your ancestors and that's how we also retain it so this just yeah it really excites me what you're saying and i want to open the space now to your comments your questions if you have any questions for anike if you want to also comment on the conversation that you are having i'm really excited it's like an interesting perspective to think about the work of spirit and ancestry uh that uh i do most of the time but like seeing it from this perspective of storytelling is that Ah, so beautiful. I just wanted to add whilst people are coming up with questions, what you're saying speaks to the power of the unseen. And this, and mm. I think it's so key for people of African descent because there are ways that don't need to sort of be known explicitly, but there are sort of internal ways that intuitive ways that we're able to connect to wisdom and two stories really key stories that help us to remember who we are and yeah like you were mentioning dreams and that feeling that you get when you're engaging with something and it feels familiar you know and you can't explain it but there's this feeling and it's like okay i'm meant to be here something has led me here and that i see as the sort of my body's way of telling me to pay attention, like really, really look around. There's something here, you were here maybe before or someone, you know, a great ancestor was here before. So to be curious to, yeah, find out more. 
Yeah, I love that. And to see and know the vastness of our experiences and the, the way that it's continuing, like this connection to our ancestry, it's there. It's not cut by anything, even if we're taken from our land. That connection is there because it's a connection of the heart, you know? And uh, in the unseen, there is never like that cutting and disconnection. And so realizing that we can use these stories to come back to that connection, to connecting to ourselves and our ancestry, it's like so profound. And like when we're talking about this, I'm thinking of how, for me, poetry is the one way that I see myself deliberately experiencing the unseen. When I'm writing, and I complete a poem, and I can follow the rules of writing poems, and I complete it, I often read it and I, I, I feel and know that this was not me drawing, writing this, like it was other energies that were influencing the writing of this, and it's like this very real, visceral way of experiencing our connection to the other realms, our connection to our ancestry, and how there is a reason why we are to tell stories, especially as African people. Like right now, more than ever, it's time for us to be archiving our stories through these conversations as well as writing. And um, yeah, what other ways can people do this? Like, let us know how you also tell your stories, how you're using storytelling to heal yourself and to celebrate your ancestry, where you come from, your people, your language, your songs. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, um, I, so writing is one way. And like you, I always, I sometimes experience these moments where I, I feel like I'm downloading something and it's just <laughs> like really, really intense. But also music, uh, I like sometimes when I hear a song or just hear some lyrics, it, it speaks to me. And there are some times where I don't even understand the language, um, but I can, I'm connecting on some like really, really deep level. And it's, it's that, um, I think you mentioned it, but it's that feeling in the heart that, that, that remembrance of, of, yeah, it's like a, a softness of love. Is that, is that like feminine? It's a very, divine feminine thing I, I would describe it as because I see storytelling as creativity and creativity I see as very very like a very very feminine uh, trait um, that we all have and and it's 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 that honoring of that so music dancing um, are, those are the two things but also walking walking in in nature and seeing the storytelling in a tree in in like the waters like it's 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 beautiful to just pay attention to the stories that are already just there for us like right there now they're not in a in a library the other day i was looking at these seeds uh for beans and the way that they were like, they looked, they looked like a painting because they had like these pink parts and like black parts. And I was just like, wow, that was created by mother nature. She did that. Mm -hmm. And that's a story. 
the story of taking your time. And she did that in the unseen, in the soil. We didn't know how it was created. Um, but yeah, that's for me, it's, it's inspiring to see that just on a daily, that there are so many stories that can ground me and remind me of who I am. Mm. Yeah, and I love the conversation of the unseen because I think actually most of us we fear the unseen. Mm. We are terrified of like when you're saying like the 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 seed was done in the air in the soil, and we don't know like during that process when it was underneath and this was being created. I mean, I'm sure the earth wasn't freaking out thinking, oh my God, how is it going to pan out? How is it going to look? But for us human beings, the, and I know I work with a lot of beautiful warriors who are drawn to connecting to ancestry. And at the same time, there is a fear of ancestry because the, the path will require that you walk in the unseen. And, you have to trust the unseen, you know? Um, so just wanting to meditate on, on how we can walk in the unseen and completely learn to surrender to the unseen. Like what, what has been your process uh, to trust the unseen or work with the unseen? I would say it has been a combination of accepting because when the the curiosity when i started sort of going deeper and i i started feeling that there was fear there it was important for me to recognize and accept that first of all rather than try and bypass it and say no i'm not afraid i'm, I'm afraid of the dark a little bit um and so from that acceptance that was then creating space for me to be like okay what's causing the fear like is is it really like like really realistic this fear or is it coming from us from a space that um is telling me to to not go there because you know you know you shouldn't go there like i just try to sort of create more space to ask more questions and in those questions you're then sort of realizing that okay no i can i can walk through this through this and i can sort of be more curious about the unseen i'm trusting in myself and I'm trusting in myself to sort of recognize when I'm feeling a certain way. And I'm trusting in myself to inquire and also to nurture in that process. Um, and recognizing that it's not a race. You don't need to sort of, this process isn't for anybody but myself. So I'm not here to sort of say to the world, look everyone, like I, like I know how to sort of, I know my ancestry, I know how to be in the unseen. It's, it's a very personal thing. So when you recognize that you're not here to sort of perform it for anybody, um, create space as well for me to just, yeah, to be, to be present and, and see what, what comes out. Mm. Yeah. One, one thing definitely when we go into our indigenous cultures, when you go into our ancestry is the energy of patience that our ancestors had and it's also very reflected with mother earth she's very patient she's not in a hurry and i often uh speak to this because i with the westernized mind we feel like there is a timeline like by this time i should have done this and this and this and this and 
so it that then doesn't become a labor of love a labor of being and discovery of self but like i need to get all the answers and immediately act upon them and then i will be okay and i would be in control and i think it's the obsession with control like we want to control everything and it's like there must be a reason why african uh, our ancestors were not obsessed with writing every single thing about themselves right why did they just tell their, their wisdom through oral uh traditions like uh the, the stories and the poems and so forth you know like we have a lot of stories um that are very symbolic also in african cultures and that's because we were being asked to cultivate a deeper contemplation mm. and to trust the contemplation and to know that there's not only one answer to a story that there could be many perspectives and that's that's what you should open yourself up to so i think for us as this generation is like Ooh, no, I need the answers right now. Like I can't tell you how many times feel like I, I still don't understand. I need to understand. I need to control it. Yeah. You know? It's that packaged approach of of you know well-being that you just need to read the book or you just need to do that thing and then it's it's sorted and it's it's a process. It's ongoing for the rest of your life. <laughs> and so just enjoy that ride. And like you said try to just yeah manage the patients uh, manage manage the not the patients manage the the desire to know everything um it's mm -hmm. that life is about asking questions and trying failing and then trying again succeeding it's 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 that and then you see that with nature it's not just this kind of polished thing <laughs> so yeah that would be my advice mm -hmm. yeah um i am feeling called to ask you to read for us like from the work that you've done it doesn't have to be from your book but um a story a historic story about any of the indigenous cultures that you've been exploring it could be the robber or what you have learned just something that we don't know about africans that you have discovered in your project like two stories like this i don't know if you need to like have a minute and look and remember the story, uh, which is totally fine. Uh, I will just now talk. You tell me when you're ready with the two stories. Uh, and, okay, go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now I was just going to read this message from Pinky. She says, "Thank you." for such an important and powerful conversation that you have so beautifully articulated. Yeah, thank you, Pinky. Mm -hmm. So affirming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I you know, I'm gonna I'm going to speak about Yoruba just because um I've been doing more work on on like my heritage um but it also speaks to other places as well the power of of um we so we're talking about archiving and history and the power of music as as that as that um, 
mechanism to pass on history is so beautiful for me. I know that um, there are artists currently now who speak and use language in a way to sort of pass down the importance of certain values. And the presence of Oriki in Yoruba, which is, Oriki is basically like uh, poetry prose or a, a sort of song, a personal song that each person has. And that is used as a way for a person to remember who they are and remember where they're from. And there are, yeah, that's an example from Yoruba history, but that, that's also present in, in the uh, existence of griots. Uh, and griots are very important in West, in West Africa because they are the people that, yeah, tell of a family's history of a person's lineage. And I think it's so beautiful that creativity is used in this way to showcase the importance of education the importance of, of remembering who you are, the importance of community, the importance of identity. And I think that, um, yeah, music just generally in the African continent has that ability to, to, for us to remember so much about ourselves. So that is one aspect of, of ancestry and culture that I am always just mesmerized by the power of music. Um, it was my teacher a couple of weeks ago that said music is sanity for for people of African descent and I completely see what he says um, because mm. it's it's that waking up that that libation of saying okay this is who you truly are so mm. encourage people to be more curious with their music and it doesn't you don't even have to understand the language but just really take it upon yourself to pay attention to how you're feeling when you're listening to um, a sound, it could be an instrument, it could be words. Take time in your day-to-day, -day, five minutes to see how you feel. Mm. Oh, I love this so much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's why in spiritual union with our ancestors we sing, mm. right? And just through music, we raise consciousness and we're able to go to higher realms to commune even more with our ancestors. So music is really, really profound. Are you going to sing to us the, your song from Yoruba? <laughs> <laughs> you see the shock on my face, Joy? <laughs> I wanted a, a, a visceral experience of your personal, like if you have one, the, the song you were just telling us that everyone has to remind you of who you are. <laughs> you are shocked. Why? <laughs> I literally like. I would love to hear this. I would love. To hear this. <laughs> no, that will be for a, for another day when I'm not like <laughs> feeling so like. Oh my god, I'm abused. <laughs> I understand. I also just will not sing out of the blue. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. I will just read a comment. This is so beautiful. Uh, I will read a comment from Nogula, who is really appreciative. She's saying, 
uh, uh, she loved the conversation on how to walk in the unseen and trusting the unseen. I hear. So she, she's, the question is like, she understands the importance of just trusting, but how to do that at an unconscious level? That's like a question she's asking you. Uh, so let me just complete the full question because I, she says, because accepting and recognizing at the brain level, I take on my part, it's done, but how to completely surrender in the unknown unconsciously. That's what she's struggling with, you know, so to just like not feel the fear at an unconscious level. Uh, so she's saying that's the, yeah, how to allow the ego to step out and to submit to, yeah, to this deeper wisdom. I would say this is where the power of breathing, breath work, because honestly, like something as simple as taking the moment to, to breathe, because when you're breathing, it's like that's automatically slowing you down and enabling you to sort of be more connected with mind and body and, and spirit. So breath work for me has been important. Also to, to, to take it lightly as well, that this is, the intention is to connect to myself better. So when you're already not, you're understanding the why it is that you're embarking on a process, you already know that that, that can already create um, a sense of comfort because you know that the intention of why, why you're doing something is, is, is centered and coated around love. You're not doing this to sort of um, wreak havoc on someone or to sort of harm someone. You're, you're doing this because you're wanting to create more, lo more love in your life and more love in, in your surroundings. And that is such a powerful thing. Don't underestimate the, the power of intention because when you're being, that is you being crystal clear with yourself and with the, the universe, the ether, that this is why I'm doing, I'm embarking on this. And that, I think it can help you in that process of, yeah, being, being a bit wary of the unknown because you're understanding the why you're doing this. So breath work and understanding your why, I, I would say are two important things that I've, that I use when I'm, when I'm doing this work. Mm, yeah. And you, you also kind of tapped into something we've spoken about here in the past with Bogotas, which is this performative way that our current, you know, generation likes to bring into healing into medicine into libation into ancestry and that's actually not going to cut it like you we can't perform it you can't try to rush it you can't try to bypass it right because we are talking about ancient energies here you know and we are talking about a reclamation which will involve a lot of unlearning and relearning about your culture, about your people. And I also have my own personal question after this, actually. Um, so like, there's no need to try to like force your unconscious self to be okay, to trust the unknown because 
you did not know before. So it's okay to, to have that voice that is trembling, that's a little afraid. And it's not something to ever try to erase, actually. It's okay to be afraid of the unknown because it's just how we survive, you know? Uh, if we were all just trusting all the time that could create major chaos. So it's just uh, the willingness, the willingness, as you mentioned, and the intention coming from the heart that I deeply want to understand myself. I deeply want to connect with my ancestors. And moving away from the idea that it's a quick thing like that, you know, um, I know yeah. you've been doing this project for more than two years, right? I mean, when we were in Uganda together, that was in 2018, you were doing this project. So it's, it's still ongoing. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is, uh, what's your process of digging and finding these post-colonial stories? Where are you finding them? Uh, what's the process for someone who wants to begin to discover their ancestry? What's the process if there is any process? Yeah, yeah I, I definitely, it hasn't been a, like, a, like a linear thing. It's almost been cyclical. So a combination of personal experiences and general interests. So not limiting myself to just reading books. It's, it's been a process of engaging with you know films documentaries um yeah just trying things social media has helped as well because there's so much out there like people you know people like you joy other people who are doing work that sort of links to that and that provide like you know breadcrumbs of information which you can then say okay this this i'm going to make a mental note of this and i'll sort of reflect on that later so it's that i see it as like collecting in, in a way and not knowing, not being fully aware of, okay, this is going to mean that I'm going to do a, an article about this, or this is going to do that. It's just that kind of collection and creating time to reflect and create space for inspiration to, to happen as well, because it's a, it's not, um, it's, it's not a sort of one step, two step thing. It's, it's a, it's a very cyclical thing. So my advice is to yeah stay curious, carry a notebook <laughs> with you, um, because you never know when inspiration can just come. And also yeah, be clear as to why you're wanting to explore, you know, ancestry. Why you're wanting to to do this, um, and that really has has helped me and has guided me. It's, it's what is, has led me here and to other experiences as well, because. I'm approaching this, this, this topic of ancestry from a personal, but also a collective um, interest. And I'm, I'm allowing the, the two to sort of combine beautifully in, in the work that I do, um, because I think it's really important as people to place ourselves in what it is that we're learning, because we are then able to sort of see how we respond to stories, because the power of storytelling is that we all respond differently and only you will know how you respond to a story, which is why it's so important to be in tune with yourself, really, really in tune with yourself. So the, it's funny because I'm, this work has also meant that I've had to do a lot of body work, be really, really aware of my body and be really aware of what it is that, you know, a message can come and I have to sort of be mindful of how my body's reacting. 
Mm, yeah, I love that you're mentioning that because uh, the work of ancestry, the work of connecting with our ancestors of like finding medicine in, in our cultures, in our ways is so multidimensional and so vast that you can't actually remove one aspect of yourself from it. Like they will be the invitation of the body to be involved, the spirit, the mind, the, the soul. And uh, Nungula has a question on the soul, uh, which will be the last question we're taking. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a it's a multidimensional journey. And this is why you can't try to rush it because it will keep unfolding organically. You know, when I think about, I've been doing a lot of archiving for four years now, since 2016. And with each one, like each project, it just unfolds quite organically. And I am led to where I need to go. And that's the beauty of surrendering and not trying to control, but also having the intention to be very clear. Right, yeah. So Nambula is asking, uh, when, when you're speaking about music, she's asking, uh, could, or could sound warm and open my heart to my soul's journey? And could it enable me to also attune to my soul's rhythm? Yeah. Could you repeat that question again, please? So can she use music, sound, to open her heart to her soul's journey, the journey of her soul and the rhythm, the rhythm of her soul as well? Definitely, definitely. Music is so, so powerful. So um, I recently did a sound healing session with a friend and it really does open you up in so many ways and even before i did like a, a sound healing session just listening to for example um there's an artist called blick bassi um he's from cameroon i do not understand a word he is saying but the way he sings and the instruments that are used really i feel it here and when you feel it here that's my indication again of the importance of being aware of your body that means that there's something there that's happening, medicinal that's happening. And I don't need to quantify it in my mind or be like, okay, like what, what is this thing that's happening? I know that there's something that's happening that is that is soothing for me, that is like a balm for me. So definitely enable yourself to just embrace the power of, of sound and, and music in your life. We're very musical people. And, and like you said, I think it's it's not an accident. So yeah, return to that. Yes, definitely. And um, is the need to release the obsession with a finite, like a complete answer to this is my soul's journey. Like this is the rhythm of my soul because this is very psychical, like we've been saying. And so being present, being in the body with who you are today and trusting that this is who you need to be today. And it might change a year from now, two years from now. So like there is no complete answer to what your soul's journey is because all of us, we are in our soul's journey right now. 
it's not gonna start tomorrow because we did some experience you are already in it right so it's completely trusting that you are in your soul's journey from the moment you were done you were in your soul's journey you were within your soul's rhythm all along you know so yeah. uh yeah i love this i love this conversation so much this has been so wonderful anike can you just share now with everyone about like your platform how people can connect with you if they want to connect with you uh i absolutely love reading your essays and i've learned a lot about post-colonial african times and so on so yeah <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's been beautiful joy um if people want to connect, um, I have a website called oroanike.com, so O-R-O-A-N-I-K-E.com, and that is basically a hub I created about three years ago um, to, yeah, document my exploration of pre-colonial African societies, and it features interviews with people as well as videos and, and essays too, so whatever kind of um, mechanism you want to engage with ancestry and culture, it, it's there. Um, I'm also available on Instagram at Oroanike. And yeah, so if you want to, you know, drop a message, say hello, you're more than welcome to. And yeah, those are the two spaces digitally you can find me. Hmm. And your book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and <Arthur. laughs> yeah. Yes. I've written a book. Uh, oh no, you can't see it here. Like um, it's called Connecting to Ancestry. Oh. And basically, this is a combination of essays, both personal and general essays, that I have written about my engagement with my heritage. Um, as I mentioned, I'm Yoruba, so this is 10 elements of Yoruba heritage which is featuring my, my uh, reflections on those aspects of culture and how they relate to my personal experiences. So it's a space creating a, a, an opportunity to see how heritage and well-being impact each other in ways. So you can get that as well from my website. Yay. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Anike. You definitely need to check out her website. She's doing amazing work. Uh, the conversations that you are having on ancestry with the different types of Africans are so good, you know? So if you are looking and you're passionate about Africa and you want to just understand beyond your own personal culture as a Black person, this is the place to go. Like, it will really help you. And I just feel like it's, it's, it's super important to broaden our understanding of African culture because we are actually very interconnected, right? We originate from one culture, one civilization. So we might as well look at what we call the breadcrumbs of our original, you know, ancestry, the great ancestors because they are within the Zwana culture, they are within the Yoruba, they are within the Zulu culture and the uh, Swahili culture. So yeah, go and check it out. Yeah, and check out her book and go read, buy the book and read the book, yes. 
so much, everyone. Thank you, Joy. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I will see you uh, next week, Tuesday. We'll continue and we'll continue on conversation around ancestral spirits. Uh, we're talking, uh, let me just confirm one moment. Just so you know what we are talking about next week, Tuesday. We're talking about understanding and tapping into the wisdom of ancestral spirits. So this is particularly important for people who are feeling led to work with ancestral spirits. You want to work with them. You are feeling a call and it could just be like, I just want to connect with them or I feel like I am actually called to work full time with them. So come and learn a little bit more about that. So I love this conversation. It's like continuing from this from today's conversation. So I will see you next week today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Anika. Have a great weekend. Bye, everyone. <laughs>